For those of you who don't know me, I make gaming content online, mainly focused on tabletop RPGs, TCGs, board games, and nostalgic video games. It's been way too long since I've posted anything, and there are a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, I moved home and currently don't have my recording area set up. It's not even decorated. In fact, I actually need to finish plastering and electrical works in there. The second reason is that I've had surgery on my arm that is taking longer to recover than I had hoped for. I can't hold a hand of cards or a controller, much less be able to safely renovate. So why don't we try something a little bit different for now? I've done podcasts before with my RPG group Tales Unfinished, shameless plug, but this one is going to be focused on all of the games I love. New releases I'm excited for, my weird deck builds and hobby projects. I'm going to get some friends in along the way to share their gaming passions and I'd love to hear your stories too. Today we're going to kick things off with a deep dive into my return to Warhammer after 20 years away from the hobby. I'll be talking through my old armies, the state of the game then versus today, my current projects and the amazing community support that has welcomed me back. But before that, I've got a couple of announcements. Firstly, I am currently taking part in a charity drive being organised by Run DMG, featuring over 70 TTRPG content creators to help raise money for Doctors Without Borders to deliver humanitarian aid in Gaza. If you follow the link below, you can check out that fundraiser, which is running through January and has already reached over $11,000 in funds, thanks to the gaming community. Content creators have put up some great rewards, and I myself am offering to run an RPG session for you and up to three friends in whatever game system you want. If I don't already know it, I'll learn it. I've also written an adventure and character options for the Power Rangers RPG. Go and check it out, search Bingle in the rewards tab to find the items that I've put up for grabs, and if you do donate, support the red team. In other news, my actual play podcast is coming back. Saturday the 3rd of Feb, we are putting on a live show as part of Wolverhampton Literature Festival. We've had a whole rebrand and are now Tales Unfinished, where we'll be playing Fantasy Age 2nd Edition. You can come and watch in person to help or hinder us with audience interaction, or by following the stream link. Tickets are pay what you feel, and you can find more information in the link below. So, that's it for all of the announcements. Let's get into today's topic. So, Warhammer, to me, has just always been one of those hobbies that somehow keeps pulling me back in. It really sparked my interest when I first discovered it growing up, and since then, I've always kind of kept an eye on it. Always been tempted by different things, you know, just picking up a magazine here and there or looking at new releases as they're coming out. But now, over 20 years since I first started fully playing, I've actually got regular games going on again. I've got projects, I've got army builds, I've got kit bashes and conversions that I've planned. I think I can safely say that I am back in the hobby. So my first actual interaction with Warhammer as a concept was at some point in the 90s, I think probably around 1998, 1999, something like that. One of my brother's friends in school had some um, space orcs 
and some space marines. Now you'll note that I'm calling them space orcs here. That's apparently just what they were called back in 2nd edition. They were space orcs. They had regular looking axes. They had bolt guns. They still had some like splint mail armor. So really delving more into that fantasy look than the traditional 40k vibe that you get from them now. And then they also had horned helmets kind of inspired by, I guess, a Viking look. But bearing in mind that these were supposed to be big, hulking creatures, these minis were mini. They were very small. Now, it wasn't until recently where I rediscovered my old marines and these space orcs and compared them to the new Primaris models for space marines that I did really realize just how much the scale of things has changed in recent editions. This is most likely due to the sculpts and manufacturing improvements that have happened over the years. You know, they, they can put a lot more detail into the minis nowadays than they used to be able to. And back then, most of those models were also fixed poses. You didn't really even have to glue on any of the weaponry or that. It was just you stick them onto the base, you paint them, you're done. Or at least that was the case for standard troops or the ones that I had. Now, the only other Space Marine model that I can remember that this person had during this time was a biker. And I do remember at the time thinking, that's really cool. I liked the bulkiness of it. I did really enjoy just the look of that. But I think what did it for me was actually seeing the artwork that came with it and not just the mini itself. It was that like 80s, 90s action movie sort of look. It was it was just really cool to a child then growing up and seeing this. And then I got told that you could paint these things. And oh boy, my original paint jobs on these were horrendous. I didn't have proper model paints at the time. I think I must have just been using standard acrylics. And yeah, they, they weren't good, but they didn't need to be good. I was just painting some toys that I'd been given. Didn't have any of the dice, didn't have any of the rules. Kind of just making up my own thing with them. My brother and his friend kind of parted ways. I think they, you know, went to different secondary schools or something. So that, for a little while, was the last interaction that I had with Warhammer. Yeah. Then we moved to around, I want to say, 2002. Now, the only reason I say 2002 is I remember an issue of White Dwarf. I remember that issue had Tomb Kings on it, which is just really interesting at the moment, given the old world, which we'll get back to. I remember looking at the Tomb Kings, these, you know, mummified skeletons in all of their ancient Egyptian regalry. They looked incredible, and I just really liked the idea of them. But yeah, there was this issue of White Dwarf that had that on it. Then it also had the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. I think at some point around here as well, I think at some point around here as well, the first Partworks magazine for Warhammer that I've ever known of came out. That was the Battle Games in Middle-Earth series. I got my mum to pick me those up from the newsagents. I had a subscription to them for 
a little while. And I had from that set Urukai. I think I got a few rides of Rohan. I had the last alliance of elves and men. Moria goblins. I didn't get too many character models though. I know that I got Lertz, the Urukai leader. And I may have had an Aragorn on horseback. But yeah, I feel like those were the only real sort of character models that I had for that. Now, I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, and seeing those models and seeing the fact that you could paint them, it reminded me of the whole Warhammer situation. And then I think that was how the sort of the dots connected when this White Dwarf magazine had Lord of the Rings featured in it. And this particular issue was one that was part of a set of instructions on how to make your own Helm's Deep scenery. I got all of those magazines. My friends and I that summer had planned that we were going to build it. We were going to buy the craft foam to do it. I don't know what we thought that our parents were going to do, like what they were going to let us loose with some power tools to be able to craft this thing. As a build for children, this would have been insane. Needless to say, we did not actually manage to complete that. I think we might have drawn out some rough shapes, started trying to cut on some thinner pieces of craft foam, and it just, it, it didn't work. But I still have all of those issues, I still have all of those instructions, and I'm vaguely decent now with certain tools that I might actually be able to pull this off one day. But this particular magazine that came out in December of 2002, which at the time, by the way, it cost £3.50, this is before Games Workshop prices started to creep up. I found prices kind of expensive when I was a child, but they're not really that bad when you look at it. I think the thing that I find the most interesting in this, though, is there is a price list. I'm reading through this magazine, and they have these battle reports in there. And it has some stuff about Games Day and Golden Demon. There's information on the Fire Warrior game that's coming out on PS2. There's a look at the Raven Guard... And it has all of these cool images that show what different shoulder pads heraldry means. All of these different books. There's a really interesting section in here, which is there are two people who are running a narrative campaign and they are building up their Chaos Warbands. This is the first appearance of Path to Glory. And one of my friends and I did try and actually run a Path to Glory campaign using the incorrect models as proxies because didn't have many. And this is back in the day when Path to Glory was chaos only. It was Warhammer Fantasy, it was chaos, and it was basically your Warband's leader is attempting to achieve demonhood and to become a demon prince. As you're going through, you get these different upgrades that you can get after your victories, you spend your points. Uh, you roll for like demonic gifts, but then you could also roll badly and your leader could become a chaos spawn. So all that hard work and investment that you put into them and then just you're a chaos spawn now, roll up a new character. The narrative side of that will become very important later on. But just know that that was in my first ever issue of White Dwarf. Then you carry on through the pages and you can see that you can actually order individual bits. You can order individual heads and weapons. 
and even weirdly just like the specific side of a horse or different heads for your horse bits and kits and metal were weird in warhammer back in the day like here you can get a corn champion body for four pound the head was £1.50. Or you can get classic Archeon's helmet for 50p. 50p for Archeon's head. Now the body in a riding pose is £2. Ignoring the mount, Archeon is £2.50. £3.50 if you want the cloak. Imagine that these days. There's some information in here about the Warhammer Academy. And then we get to a battle report that kind of changed everything for me. And this is a battle report that shows Dark Angels versus Necrons. Now, Dark Angels are probably my favorite Space Marine chapter, just in terms of their look. I like the cloaks. I like the swords. Not a big fan of Ravenwing. But Dark Angels just look cool. But the Necrons basically look like... I wouldn't even say that they do look like Terminator. In the original Judge Dredd film, the Sylvester Stallone one, there is the robot that's in there. I feel like that's exactly the look of the Necron skulls in this edition. But they had these green glowing rods that were in their guns. It shows this monolith, which is... It shows this monolith, which is effectively a pyramid with a giant crystal in the middle of it, uh, a weird glowy portal, and then just guns around the edges. I fell in love with that model, and then the whole army in general. It was just such a fantastic alien concept, and I loved it. Okay, Dark Angels, they've got a Dreadnought, they've got their Land Speeder, They've got a Predator Annihilator, a, a Land Raider Redemptor. The Necrons brought a pyramid with a crystal in it and just wreck house. So yeah, I fell in love with Necrons as a faction in literally this one issue. I think for Christmases and birthdays for the next couple of years, I ended up asking for Warhammer specifically Necrons, we weren't exactly the most well-off growing up, so I knew that I was never going to get a monolith, which is absolutely fine. You know, it's one of those things. It was a dream that I had as a child to get one of those, but I was absolutely happy to get the warriors that I did and to get the scarabs. I got the Nightbringer, which I don't care what people say about it. I still love that model. For me, that model is Probably it gets that nostalgia pass. But I just like how it's just riding a wave of scarabs. I had some flayed ones which were a metal kit. So I decided to try and basically cheat and only paint the flesh parts on them. And just keep the metal metallic. Not my proudest moment. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, I started to build this small... Necron army. So this was around third edition of Warhammer 40k. I start taking the White Dwarf magazine into school to just sit and read and eventually some other people in my class noticed that I was reading it 
and they told me about a games club that runs at one of the local youth centres. I asked my parents if I can go. Yep, absolutely fine. Not a problem. I go there with my army tucked into, I think, just a plastic toolbox at the time. And I get there and all of these other people have these proper plastic games workshop cases that have this red foam in them. And they've all got their tape measures and everything. And I'm like, I'm so underprepared for this. The next week that I went back, my dad literally lent me his tape measure. Like my my models were not painted. And yet I've got someone who's made their own like Slanesh worm demon thing. That was like his demon prince. And it was incredible. And he was the same age as me. And he had done that. And I'm like, yeah, I just painted the flesh parts on these flayed ones. But I had fun. I got taught how to play the game. And I had a lot of fun. I kept going there for quite a while. And as I'm there and I'm playing more games, eventually I start to see around the room there's other games going on as well. Some people have got Warhammer Fantasy. There's a group that are playing a weird variation of Warhammer where they're laying down tiles, which I would later discover is Warhammer Quest. And then there were also people who were playing a card game that my dad and I had recently picked up which was Magic the Gathering. This games club is really the thing that kind of got me into everything that I do today. Like these were all just sort of hobbies that I had or games that I would have at home or maybe with like one of my friends here. This was a group of like 15 of us who were playing all of these different games. That's the first time that I had that sort of community feel in gaming. And I'd go home and then like my dad would help me to paint some of my Necrons and things. And I'd try and get him involved in the actual playing side of it. He wasn't overly fussed by it. But, you know, I, I had I had this group of people that I could play these games with. It was fantastic. So I never played Warhammer Quest there. I just saw the others playing it. It looked interesting, but they were you know, quite deeply into the game. So I'm not going to mess with that. There was more time that was being sort of proposed as an idea to run. There was Warhammer Fantasy role-playing game, which is actually the RPG that I played before I played D&D. But I think I only played it for like one or two sessions there. And then there was Necromunda. Necromunda, I really enjoyed To me, it was just really cool that you have this smaller group of models, this gang. You've got this underhive with all of these different levels and platforms that you actually have to, like, traverse. It was definitely interesting. My gang was House Escher. And for those of you who don't know, Escher is an all-female gang. This was early 2000s. I was very big into Final Fantasy. I named every single one of them after Final Fantasy characters. I regret nothing. And I still have those metal minis to this day. The last army that I was kind of collecting in this time was my Warhammer Fantasy army. Which was Lizardmen. This was 6th edition. Basically it was the newer looking Saurus. 
I did somehow manage to get hold of some of the classic looking Saurus, the ones that look a bit more like Goombas from the Super Mario Brothers film. And then I also had a metal Stegodon with skink archers on the back of it. That that was one of my favorite models. Love that thing. But we're getting towards the end of secondary school and people just start dropping off from this group. Somehow or another, by the end of it, I end up in possession of quite a few different armies and different models because most of the others were just selling off their collections. So I have part of a Space Marine chapter despite never actually buying a Space Marine kit for myself. I've got Metal Dreadnought and Land Speeders. For some reason I have a, a an Imperial Guard Lehman Rust tank. I have Dark Eldar. I don't remember anyone in our group playing Dark Eldar, but I have Dark Eldar. I took part in a couple of events around this time. There was the Eye of Terror campaign. I played a game at a local store, and then there was also Storm of Chaos, which I played again at that same local store. I did get a Chaos Sorcerer from that that I kind of wished I'd kept, but I did end up selling it on. I didn't really understand anything about exclusive models at the time. Kind of wish that I still had it for my collection now, but anyway, it's gone now, and that's just that. And so was the group. You know, the, the group had kind of disbanded. Nobody was going anymore. That was that. Throughout college, no change, no difference. Kind of just had the stuff laying around. And then in one of my final years of universe, one of my housemates saw that there was a Warhammer set coming out that had High Elves and Skaven. He'd always wanted to collect Skaven. So we ended up going halves on this box. It was the Island of Blood box. It was 8th edition. We got it. We built them. We played a couple of games. Again, that was that. All that I have got with those models at the minute is they are undercoated. They're just primed. They are not painted at all past that point. Just as I was starting to feel like I was going to be able to get back into it, it was just taken away. But that's fine. You know, things move on. Speaking of moving on, the game itself changed a lot around that time. We had the end times. The world of Warhammer Fantasy came to an end. And like most old Hammer fans, I looked on in morbid curiosity to see what on earth this Age of Sigmar was that was coming about. There were these big golden armored Stormcast Eternals. Everything looked weird and different. Things had circular bases, but you could still use your old square based models from your old armies. The whole changeover and launch did feel somewhat messy to me. But like most people who grew up playing Warhammer Fantasy in that time, we are suffering from nostalgia blindness. We look at all of the old models. We look at all of those fun times that we had. There's just this bias that's formed from your own emotional connection to it. When you look at it properly, and it took me way too many years to look at it properly, the Age of Sigmar models are better. They just are. They're more detailed. They have the better sculpts. They are more poseable, more dynamic. They're not just strangely squat. 
They don't have problematic design choices. But yeah, it was obviously very jarring to everyone who had been playing Warhammer Fantasy that suddenly we are in the Age of Sigmar. And for the longest time, people had this weird combination of their armies using old models combined with some of these new ones. I think in this time, the only new model that I got was I went into a Warhammer shop. Obviously, just a games workshop back then. And I got a Stormcast Eternal that I did not have the time to actually paint. And unfortunately, is still just sat unpainted. Then there was another Partworks magazine that came out around Age of Sigmar's second edition, which was called The Mortal Realms. So I picked up the first couple of copies and eventually ended up subscribing to the entire magazine. I did think that the Nighthaunt looked pretty cool. I wasn't overly fussed about the Stormcast, but my wife said that she might be interested in playing this game. I said, which of these two armies do you prefer to look of? She said, Nighthaunt. I said, okay then. Whatever answer she gave, I would have just gone with the other one to try and just be able to have someone to play this game with again. Because that's what marriage is. So I collected every single issue of this magazine, but we never really got around to doing anything with the magazine. I think I might have built a couple of models out of the first couple of issues, but part of this magazine was released during lockdown and I just didn't have the capacity to deal with it at the time. So the magazine is arriving. I'm not even opening up the packages of these magazines and they sat there like that up until last year. A couple of my friends started playing Age of Sigmar. You can watch some of their games on the St. James Files YouTube channel, which is also the name of their Call of Cthulhu podcast. Shameless plug. But they started playing Age of Sigmar, and it just reminded me that I have two entire armies just sat there. Now, Steve was doing Oryx and Fire Slayers. Emma was doing Stormcast. I picked through the Stormcast to see if there was anything that she might want because I really wasn't overly interested in them. And then I started properly looking through the Nighthaunt models and I thought, you know what? No, these ones do actually look quite cool. They were giving me that Army of the Dead vibe from Lord of the Rings. So I thought, yeah, no, these are these are interesting. Let's go through them. And just around the time that I was starting to get everything kind of organized, we got our house and everything was having to be boxed up and moved. So they kind of went back into storage again. Although actually another important point to bring up is at this time as well, there was another Partworks magazine that had come out. But I did only collect part of it because, you know, I didn't have the money to burn. We were saving to buy a house and that was the Warhammer 40,000 Imperium magazine, which came out for ninth edition. And that one, you were collecting Necrons, the new version of Necrons, and you were collecting Space Marines. To this day, I'm still trying to track down some of those magazines because they were fantastic. But I had to be sensible. I had a house to pay for. So yeah, after going through and looking at the Age of Sigma stuff, I eventually managed to convince my friend that he should also look into 40k. Because I really want to use these new Necrons that I've got. And being the wonderful person that he is, he obliges. And we start playing some games online, which I will get more into that in a future episode. Because there are some interesting ways to play Warhammer online. And I think some are very widely known about. But there are also some much simpler ways to do it. 
So I'm looking at this Nighthorn army. I'm looking at these Necron. I end up poking my head into a Warhammer shop, my local Warhammer shop. Turns out I now have a local Warhammer shop, which I did not have one of those growing up. Like we had independent stockists. We didn't have the proper stores. And I'm in there and I'm talking to the staff. And he shows me the Battle Honors booklet, which if you are new to the hobby or if you get a nice enough member of staff who you speak to because you're returning to the hobby, you get this magazine that's basically like a stamp collecting task list on what to do for the army. So it has the collect stuff. You pick out like what your leader is going to be, what your faction's going to be. Um, the models that you want to buy, the paint scheme that you want to do, you get these stamps, and then you get a gift from them. Then there's the building thing, as you build these models, as you build some scenery. And then the gift that you get from that is like a bits case to store your spare pieces in. You do the painting stuff and you get a paintbrush case. You play games and you get some dice. You read books and articles and you get a book bar. You finish the whole Battle Honours program. Your name goes up on the wall in the shop. You get a certificate and you also get one of those fancy foam Warhammer cases. You get this for free by being a part of the community, by just doing the hobby. You go in there, you have conversations, you show off the work that you've done. And you get rewarded for it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's an absolutely great way to do things. This is how you inspire new generations into your games. You have a welcoming community. You take an interest in their hobby and what they're doing. You give them help and advice. They also have like a, a mini of the month where you can build and paint a new mini every month. Like there's one that comes out specifically every month while stocks last. You can go in and do that. And again, it's free. If you're walking into the shop for the first time, they will teach you how to play the game in there. They will let you pick to paint either a Stormcast or a Space Marine. You build it, you paint it, you take it home. My wife, once again, when she saw me having all of this stuff out, kind of considered getting into it again. At this point, she'd had like a box of Harlequins because she thought that they looked really cool. Then we realized that as an army list nowadays, it's kind of not viable. <laughs> so we're just waiting on the Eldari Codex update. But she really liked the look of the Sylvanas. So she went in, she had a look. She painted her first mini, which I honestly... She is so much better at painting than me, and I'm so proud of her for it. And she'd never done any kind of painting like that before. And then instantly her first model looks better than pretty much all of mine ever. And that's not even the army that she wants to collect. So she has now started her battle honors with her Sylvanas. And we're playing Path to Glory games as we go. And Path to Glory, I've got to say, I really enjoyed this as a concept. This whole thing of you grow your army narratively. You get perks, you get rewards. It's come a lot further than the original Chaos Warband idea. 
I like that when you go into your army books now, that that's just in there as rules. 40k now has a similar thing. It's called Crusade. And at some point in the future, I'm hoping to run a Crusade series with Necrons. But we'll look into that in the future. But yeah, for now, we're just both chipping away our armies. We are fully aware that it feels like it's gearing up towards a new edition of Age of Sigmar quite soon. We will probably just stick with this edition for the time being because it works for us. You know, we're not really playing the game with other people. We found a rule set that works for us. We'll just carry on and use that. And the rule set on it is so much simpler and cleaner than Warhammer Fantasy ever was. And you can kind of tell that that's the case because 10th edition 40k feels a lot more like Age of Sigmar. I don't think that's a bad thing. The entire idea behind 10th edition being simplified, not simple, is a very good thing to strive for because it gets more people into the game. There's always going to be subtle levels of nuance and ways that you can play tactically. There will always be the competitive angle. There will always be meta builds for army and, you know, which factions are dominating the leaderboards. But simplifying the base game to get more people into it always 100% always do that but for those people who do want the more complicated side of things don't worry because Warhammer Fantasy is back as Warhammer the Old World now I have no idea why they decided to do the starter set for this as Tomb Kings and Bretonians it's a weird choice to me is this going to finally get me to actually buy a set of Tomb Kings? I don't think it will. And that's nothing to do with just the price point on it, which yes, okay, the price is high. But I'm looking at the sculpts and I'm seeing you've got a couple of new ones, which obviously look very nice, but then you also have a lot of the old classic ones. And the classic ones, when you look at them side by side with the newer sculpts, don't look good. Okay, it is really jarring. I know that there's going to be a lot of people that want this game for nostalgia. And if you want that game for that reason, absolutely fine. Carry on. I will probably play games of the old world, but I'm going to use the high elves that I've got. You know, I've got an entire army there that I can do that with. I don't need to then buy another one just to finally own some Tomb Kings. Because if I wanted to do that, I might just go for the Bone Reapers in Age of Sigmar because it's a similar sort of thing. And... They've just got those really detailed sculpts. But the thing is, I'm having fun with Age of Sigmar as it is. My wife has been buying up her army to then turn around and go, no, no, we're switching games now. We're going to the old world where the rules are kind of unnecessarily complex, like with leadership tests or, you know, your wizard level. The fact that we still have scatter dice in this day and age do you know what? Honestly, I was happy that we removed Blast templates and Flamer templates. I didn't like them. I didn't need them. I'm happy with Blast as plus one attack per five models. I think the old world is going to be good for those people who miss the Warhammer Fantasy vibe. They miss that look. They miss the feel of that in their games. But I really hope that it doesn't undo everything that Age of Sigmar has built. Because there is a massive community of new players now who are solely here because of Age of Sigmar. While the Warhammer Fantasy players, 
a vocal majority of them have been stood on the outskirts shouting abuse and saying that it's ruined their game. Your game still existed. It was still there. I still have my 8th edition rulebooks. I still have my minis. Over 20 years later, I still have every single mini that I've ever owned. And there's very few of them that can't actually be used. It's only if their base size changes or if certain things get removed. But the older editions of the games are still there and you can still play them. Fine, you might not be able to do that in a competitive setting. But one of the core values of Warhammer is that it's supposed to be your hobby, your way. Whether you enjoy building, collecting, playing, painting, or reading, you should be allowed to enjoy your hobby however you see fit. That's the thing that brings me back into it more than 20 years later. Because the way that I enjoy my hobby is to have a small group of friends that I can play games with, that I can see what they're building and what they're painting. And we can just share in those fun moments. For my birthday last year, my wife got me a model that I never thought that I was going to be able to own. She got me the original Necron monolith. Was it pre-owned? Yeah. Does it need some restoration? Yeah. Did I still cry when I opened it? Yeah. Because I never thought that was ever going to have one. I don't care if the old school monolith isn't legal in modern tournament play. I haven't really looked into it. I don't need to. Because that monolith belongs in my army. And that model for me was like a full circle moment. But yeah, they say uh, new year, new army. So that's what we're going to be working on in 2024. We're going to be rebuilding our Necron forces. We're going to pick through all of our old models. We're going to see which ones we can still utilize. We're going to do some converting and kit bashing. I'm just going to have fun putting together now the army that I wished that I could have when I was younger. And if it ends up sitting on a shelf because I'm not physically playing games with it, I'm okay with it. Because I know that it will be there anytime that I want it. If you have any projects that you're working on for Warhammer this year or any of your other games, or if you have any thoughts on anything else that's been mentioned in this episode, please let me know your thought. Remember to check out the Charity Drive link and the Tales Unfinished Live link in the description. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and all of those nice things. Take care, and thanks again. Bye-bye.